How are we doing, Jets fans? I'm Glenn Norton with Jet Nation Radio, JetNation.com. Joined, as always, for Jet Nation Live by our good friend Chris Schubert. Chris, how are we doing this week? Doing fantastic, Glenn. A bye week for the New York Jets. That is a celebratory bye week. Coming off of the win against the Eagles, we get to celebrate it not only this week, but next week as well in the lead-up to this game against the Giants. So not how I expected things to turn out. You and I were uh, texting over the weekend while the game was going on and and just real quick I, I was on a I was on a work trip and this work trip requires me to not be near my phone or by any social media or any level of contact with the outside world while I'm working so we and I'm in Houston I'm on a different time so zone. it was a, so it was a darkness retreat is what you're it was, telling it me. was not a darkness retreat there was light out but it was similar to the darkness retreat so I, I get done with with you know the major part of my work day and I check my phone and I'm thinking the Jets will have already played, not realizing because I was in work mode. Duh, these guys don't play till 425 this week on the East Coast. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to be able to catch the second half of the game. So work gets done. I, I pull up the, the the YouTube TV, pull it up, and I'm like, ah, they're probably going to be down like two scores or whatever the case may be. It's going to be a blowout. I turn the game on. It's 14 to 9. And I'm like, third quarter, how'd we get here? What's going on? And I was able to watch the remainder of the game. And you and I were going back and forth. And I, listen, I, I'm still I'm still coming off of. You know the the high of of that win. It's a big win. It it could be a season defining win for this team. Uh, three and three was, I think, the best case scenario with Aaron Rodgers on this team for where we were going to sit going into the bye week. So to be there with everything that has happened to this team, AVT, Joe Tipman, Aaron Rodgers, no DJ Reed, no Sauce Gardner, all of that stuff thrown in your face, losing to the Patriots the way that they did. To be here at three and three, to look at the second half of the schedule, where I think the Jets are going to be favored in games because of how good their defense is. We'll talk about Zach Wilson because we do it every week here on the show. This is an exciting time to be a Jets fan. I am the chips are really close to being all in on the middle for me for my excitement level. I'm I'm hedging a little bit. I got a couple of the chips back, but man, is it hard to not believe in this team with the way that they've played the last couple of games? Yeah, I I can't remember the last time a win stuck with me like this. Not not just the, how big the win was, right? But as you said, the improbability of it is what we, what made it so crazy. You know, I got up the next morning and I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, they just beat a, a legitimate Super Bowl team without their two best corners, without their even even getting away. Like Aaron Rodgers, you didn't have him, but you knew you weren't going to have him. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew you weren't going to have ABT. The Sauce and DJ Reed thing was kind of, you know, DJ Reed was questionable. Sauce came from out of nowhere. And you're like, well, you can't win this game. You have no business winning this game. Um, and you do. And, and you pull it off and, in a way that, as you said, you know, season defining I, I think i said the following morning and i may i may have tweeted that night as i was sitting there thinking about it that this is the biggest win since beating the patriots in overtime with with fitzpatrick and, and eric decker you know and granted that was week 16 17 they needed that for the playoffs i get all that um ultimately didn't make the playoffs of course but but this this was based on avoiding two and four and and the the probability the likelihood of them winning this game and them still pulling it off is just it as I to me, biggest win since you know what that's what nine, ten years ago that game. It is season defining because of this statement that I'm about to utter. The New York Jets, in two of their last three games, took the defending AFC and Super Bowl champs to the ropes in the fourth quarter and had a chance to win the game with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. And two weeks later, they beat the defending NFC champions. So no longer can anybody say going into a game with Zach Wilson at quarterback for the New York Jets that they cannot win a game. You yep. cannot say anymore that this team cannot make the playoffs. Now, with the brand of football that they are choosing to play right now, basically out of necessity, you can also say they could also lose any game that they play. But you can no longer say that this Jets team cannot beat anybody. 
I don't care that they have to play the Dolphins twice. They can beat the Dolphins twice. They have to play the Bills again. They can beat the Bills. They play the Patriots at the end of the season. They can beat the New England Patriots. They have a formula that can win any single game. Now, that formula can also lose any single game because of the volatility of the quarterback position and the volatility of needing three turnovers in order to win. But they are playing a brand of football where if the quarterback continues to get better each and every week, and if the coaching continues to get better each and every week, this team can win any single game they step foot on the field for. I ask every Jets fan if they thought that way three weeks ago. The answer to that question is no. The way they played against the Chiefs, the way they played against Denver, and the way they played against Philadelphia has completely changed the outlook on on this team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win 10, 11 games. I thought it was an uphill battle when Aaron Rodgers went down to win the 10 more games that they were going to need to in order to get to the playoffs. I will tell you, every time they win, I update the tweet and I add another number to it. So I'm going to keep doing that until we get to 11. But this team has a chance to do that. I'm not saying they're going to. In fact, I think it's probably statistically unlikely that they do so. But they can. And we should have that belief every single week until they give us a big enough sample size to tell us that that's not the case. Yeah, I, I, as I, I said, the uh, I can't remember. Again, I did I did a post game and then I did a, another show the following morning. I forget which one I said what, but but that that kind of one of the points I made. I said, you know, this team is uh, a blown call on a, a inter, you know blown interception by the officials against the Chiefs from being able to say they beat both Super Bowl participants in a span of two and a half weeks, you know, both defending, you know, the AFC and NFC champions. Um, and th- that was that exactly what I said. I said, I said, this team can play with anybody now. They, and they can add, they, they've proven they took on the two Super Bowl participants last year, you know, almost beat one, like took them down, as you said, you know, had them on the ropes, gave them all they could handle, whatever term we want to from 17, nothing down. We're down 17 yeah. nothing at home to Kansas City. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid on Sunday Night Football when the entire world was ready to bury this team on national TV with Taylor Swift in attendance. Ready to be buried. The game was absolutely in a position where the New York Jets were going to be a national embarrassment once again. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah. And 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 Glenn, the a and you know this, and we talk about this all the time. Football is is a each week is a season in and of itself. And then there's the bigger picture of what the 17, 18 week season brings for the New York Jets. This is not the same team that played Dallas and played New England back-to-back weeks. It's not the same team. It is a much different team from where they were in weeks two and weeks three of, of the regular season. So for me, I look at this, Glenn, and, and I, listen, this team still needs to get better. There are still places where they need to mature and grow. Giving up first-drive touchdowns is a just complete debacle for this team because you are not doing your offense any favors. This team is going to work best. When they are up, when they have a lead, you and I have talked about winning the toss, taking the ball, going down the field, putting points on the board, and giving your defense a chance to play from ahead because the defense has been giving it away, and you're down 7 nothing before you can blink. You're down 3 nothing before you can blink. That needs to get better. The red zone offense needs to get better. Zach needs to continue to get better. But I saw a statistic. I forget who tweeted it out. Zach Wilson had no turnover-worthy throws and had no big-time throws. He was literally just an average quarterback and was just a passerby in the game. And that is what the New York Jets need from their quarterback. And to me, Glenn, I think the biggest takeaway for me from Zach's performance in this game is he has now stacked three good performances in a row. Kansas City, Denver, and Philadelphia. Are they going to wow you? Is it Joe Burrow? Is it what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston? Is it what Anthony Richardson was doing in Indy before he went down? No, it's none of those guys. It's not Mahomes. It's not Herbert. It's none of that. But it is consistent, decent football. And that is what everyone has asked from this kid uh, since he took over. And that is what you're getting. And to me, that consistency could lead to a turning of the corner for him where he is able to make a step. 
to being more than just an average quarterback and might be able to be a slightly above average quarterback and then start to actually help the Jets win football games. But you're stacking consistency. You don't think he is relishing at the fact that he's going to get two weeks to prepare for the New York Giants? That's a fantastic opportunity for this offense to showcase what they're able to do during the bye week. You know, I've talked about it. The two most games you should be most prepared for in a season, the season opener and the game after the bye. The New York, if the New York Jets come out and they're unprepared, that's on coaching. That is on execution and on coaching. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm very giddy about where this team's at right now. Yeah, I think the the thing the thing was that what I love, and I, I mentioned this, I think a win this big coming at the bye to me is huge because I, and you know, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I'm hoping that having that extra week lets the sort of the, the euphoria, you know, of this win lets that dissipate when they get back to work in a week because to avoid that letdown loss, you know, how many times do we see in the league teams with these unbelievable wins that nobody expects? And then the next week they come out flat. Like they were just feeling a little too good and, you know, feeling themselves a little too much and they come out and they're unprepared and they just, and they got blown out. This I think gives them a few days to soak it all in and, and, you know, think about, as we said, season defining season changing win. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, okay, we, we enjoyed ourselves for a week. Now, now we got to get ready for this next game. And with Zach Wilson, well, go ahead, jump in. What were you going to say? No, let, let me let me add to that because you, we, we, you and I have both used the term season-defining and season-changing. I think this is coach-defining for Robert Sala. Uh, I think time. this was a coach-defining game plan and execution and coaching effort by Robert Sala and his staff. I think there are a lot of people, myself included, who were skeptical of the long-term prospects of Robert Sala. And I don't know if I'm fully entrenched in one camp or another right now, but games like the one against Philadelphia where – and, Glenn, maybe you – you can attest to this a little bit more. But the Rex Ryan defenses, I was on the younger side for those defenses. I was a teenager, and I didn't understand as much as I do now about defensive schematics and football schematics and how it all works. But that game plan against Philadelphia on Sunday and what they did to Jalen Hurts is the closest reminder I have to watching those Rex Ryan defenses on a weekly basis make life a nightmare. And that's not to say that the Jets defense has, has been bad up until this point. They've been exceptional. But really, for the first time, it felt like they said, we're better than you, we are going to scheme for you, and we're going to make your life difficult in a way that nobody else in the NFL has been able to do. No, Glenn, not a single defense in the National Football League since Jalen Hurts' rookie season has made him look that bad. Not a single defense. They no. didn't have DJ Reed. They didn't have Sauce Gardner. Michael Carter went out for stretches of that football game. Mm-hmm. And they're down three. They're better players in the secondary. Their safety is questionable at best at this point. And schematically, they're perfect. Schematically, they're always in the right spot. They're making they're making plays. Bryce Huff is an animal. Quinn and Williams, Quincy Williams, they're all over the place because schematically, they did something different than everybody else. And to me, that was a throwback to those Rex Ryan defenses and that Mark Sanchez era of Jets football that saw this team go to two AFC championship games. And when you're looking at it from the perspective of what this season can bring, and maybe we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back in December because it certainly feels like that is uh, on the table at this point, I guess. But we look at this, and it's one of those things where I think this is a coaching-defining moment for Robert Sala, where he has turned the corner of a coach. And to me, he proved that he can make those adjustments, that he can put together a game plan that can beat everybody. Now, there are some blunders from a execution perspective, and it, it gets lost in the fact that they got the ball back. I thought it was a disaster with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter when they, where they were on the field to not go for it on fourth down with two timeouts, and to kick the ball away and hope you got it back one more time. I thought it was a disaster. Now, they baited Jalen Hurts into making a bad play, and it was an interception, and they were fine. 
But I think things like that, they need to clean up. I think their fourth down decision, go or not go, is poor at times. Their red zone play calling is brutal, and that's not just on the quarterback. This game against Philadelphia was not just Zach Wilson. I think you have penalties and poor play calling, and they're so predictable. It's run, run, pass. Every time they're down there in the red zone, they've got to get better at those goal-to-go situations because, Glenn, think about it in this perspective. If two of those drives, two, half of the times that they ended up getting touched, the field goal, so they kicked four field goals to make it 14-12. If two of those are touchdowns, we are talking about a totally different performance from Zach Wilson. We are talking about a totally different Jets offensive outlook. And I'm asking you to be 50% down there. 50% is all I'm asking for, turning into touchdowns. So that's how close, and, and Salah said it in the post game. He's like, we're that close. And they are. They are that close to being something nobody thought they could be this season. That's that's exactly the point I was going to make, uh, you know, getting into, onto Zach next. And I think the um, as far as the Rex co- comparison goes, I haven't looked at the numbers, uh, but I did. I said prior to the game, having said that, I didn't think they would win. Um, I thought they're oh, we best both shot. predicted them to lose, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I did say that morning. I tweeted out, you know, saying the only shot the Jets have in, in, to win this game is consistent pressure. Um, you know, so I, I was kind of thinking out loud, like, are they going to? Because they don't blitz. They don't do the early and often with blitzing. They've been doing that later in games. Um, but I feel like we saw extra rushers. At least if they were so good, it felt like it. It felt like early on there were a lot of extra bodies um, going at Jalen Hurts, and they they did. They got the pressure they needed to get that win. Um, that's what I lo- the thing I loved about Rex, especially early on, because um, he was. The, I used to always ask why teams didn't do this, and then Rex came in and did it. I love the all-out blitzing in the fourth quarter on a final drive. Like we're not going to sit back and let you pick us apart and come back and win this game. We're going to make life hell on your quarterback and. Um, Obviously, the Jets were were fantastic late in the fourth quarter. They got the big play, the 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 Tony Adams interception you mentioned. So it's it's exciting, and you know the fact that the Jets got you know they got creative and and um and changed things up a little bit was nice to see. Um, as far as Zach goes, uh, the thing that gets me with Zach is the um, and this I mean this is what fans do. If fans don't like somebody, they're gonna do every single thing they can to not give the player credit where it's oh, sure. due. Um, Zach can't do nothing right for most people. Yeah, with with Zach, he's basically doing exactly what we've been saying since last year. Could you right. do that? Like, just uh, how many how many of those games that they lost? That you know, the five six games they lost down the stretch last year. How many of those games would they won if they scored twenty twenty four points? And we just kept saying, "Geez, if Zach can just just get us uh, get us to where we can score twenty twenty four points and we'll win these football games." Just can you do that? And he couldn't, and he was terrible. And then Mike White came in, and he couldn't do it either. Well, now we're seeing Zach Wilson. We've seen the improvement. And I think a lot of people who refuse to acknowledge the improvement early on are now sort of moving the goalposts. They're not saying he hasn't improved. They're saying, yeah, but now the red zone, you know, and it's like there's always going to be something. Sure. Go, go ahead. No, I because you're you're ta- the what you're talking about is something I wanted to bring up on the show. So I'm glad you brought us here because it's a great segue into something that I was thinking about on all of my drives into to work this week. When you have a rookie quarterback, I I want us to just completely forget about Zach Wilson for a second. You have a rookie quarterback. You have Bryce Young. You have C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, any of the quarterbacks. Can he pick it? Any of the guys that have come out in the last couple years, right? When you are evaluating them from a year-to-year progression, right? From a mid, from a in-season progression, from week to week, from from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, one of the things you 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 see is okay, how good are they of moving the ball up and down the field? And most often, the progression is, man, the, the, the game planning, the execution is really good in between the 20s. From, the, from our 20 to their 20, we're really good, right? Yep. It's, those, it's those 
different scenarios where you're backed up against your own end zone and you don't have a lot of space to operate because you got to get rid of the ball quick or you're down in the in the opposing team's red zone and the field shrinks and so you've got to be really really precise with your throws with your play calling and it just makes it more difficult and when you have a rookie quarterback that's when they take their next step is when they're able to operate their offenses in those areas well what did you and I talk about whether it was last week or two weeks ago I forget but we talked about you got to forget the first two years of Zach Wilson it's a complete reset they're completely operating on a whole new plane with him. So if you pretended that this was his rookie season, and I'm not making excuses for Zach Wilson. Let me make that very clear. Zach Wilson was not good his first two seasons. But if we're going to say, hey, Michael Fleur, it was a bad system. It didn't get the most out of him. Allow this to be the reset button. Zach Wilson in this offense, you may say it's 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 Brees Hall, but I see Zach Wilson throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson. I see him throwing the ball to Jeremy Rucker. I see him making plays, right? They're moving the ball pretty well now. They're moving from their 20 to the opposing team's 20. Where they're struggling is down down in that red zone area. Well, guess what? If you have a rookie quarterback and he's starting to figure it out, that's the next evolution. So if you are going to believe in the evolution of Zach Wilson, you're kind of right on schedule. You're kind of right there to where if they start converting those into touchdowns, look out. We may be talking about a totally different team. And Glenn, I have a statistic for you. This is from Fantasy Points. Saw this today. Thought you would enjoy this. Pressure rate allowed using five-man protections. The bottom five teams. Do you want to try to take a guess of the bottom five teams in the National Football League at pressure rate allowed using five-man protections, meaning you do not want a high number here. I actually saw this stat earlier. So you're, the game is not going to work very well because yeah, you know I, I was going to say I don't I don't want to act like I I knew the answers. Right. So, I'll, you I'll be that, so you know you know the Jets are in, though. It's, you it's know the Jets stuff. are in last in this statistic. They are at forty-six point seven percent now. You may say, how much of that is on Zach? How much of that is on the offensive line? It's a fair question. You have to look at it on a play-by-play basis. But I will say this. I don't think it helps the New York Jets, and I don't think it helps Zach Wilson that for another year, it is a revolving door of offensive linemen. AVT, Joe Tipman. Dwayne Brown goes down. Makai Becton's moving all the Like, we haven't had consistency. And I quote tweeted and said, this is going to be the thing that's going to determine the success or failure of the New York Jets in 2023. If they can find a group and stick with it, and get consistency out of that group, they are going to be fine, I think. I think they're going to be able to do just enough on a weekly basis to have a chance in the fourth quarter to win football games. They're not going to win every game, okay? I think before the season started, we thought this team was going to be maybe 10, 11, 12 wins. I think 10 or 11, 9 to 11 is a, is a nice spread for this football team. They could win. They could be 9 and 7 or whatever the new 9 and 8 is, and they could be 11 and 6. I think that is a fair outcome if this team plays well. Sometimes... The bounce of the ball is going to go their way, and other times it's not. That's just who they are as a football team. So it's going to be a roller coaster ride. But I think, I think this team is going to have a chance in the fourth quarter to win a lot of football games the remainder of the season. Yep, and I and I think a big reason for that is Zach Wilson's improvement. And there was a point that I'd I'd made Chris um, a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned because I thought it was um, when I watched the uh, the late I think it was the latest episode of One Jets Drive, and we heard the same exact thing from Robert Sala. And I can't remember if I said it with you or if I said it on uh, Scott Mason's show with uh, Play Like a Jet, but talking about how for Zach Wilson, this first four, five, six weeks of the season has kind of been a perfect storm for him to fail. Like everything that you would not want to happen to your quarterback is what happened to your quarterback. You know, he's not the number one guy. He's rushed into action. He's playing, you know, a ton of top five, top 10 defenses. Your offensive linemen are getting moved around and hurt. And the, the the pressure is he's constantly under pressure under duress and he, with all of that he's improving and and there are people who kind of and, and i've been saying this for years right and i i think i blame this on fantasy football and madden like mm-hmm. people need you have to be 50 touchdowns and 4000 yards or you're garbage like that's it there's no in between there's no like oh well 
there's the best quarterback, which is this, and there's the worst quarterback, which is that. There's too many fans that if you're not top one or two, then you're, you're garbage. Um, Zach Wilson has been bad for the first couple of years of his career. We've acknowledged that. Um, but he is, he is improving. He is getting better. And I'm kind of right there with, you know, with what Salah said, with the quote you mentioned a few minutes ago. You know, I think they are that close because it's been one really good defense after another. So now you've got a bye week. You've got an extra week to prepare. You've got, you know, a Giants defense that, just to be fair, did a nice job against uh, against uh, Josh Allen and the Bills. But I I think you're getting more favorable matchups now, and it's going to be, I mean, not not that Zach Wilson's going to not prepare hard, but he can take a breath, I I, I hope. I hope he's going to be able to take a breath and say, you know, it's it's not, uh, you know, a, another top three, top four, top five defense, which it's it's felt like they've been facing a ton of top groups every single week. And it's like, Jesus, here's a guy who wasn't supposed to play this season. Like the hope was he wouldn't suit up or that he wouldn't get on the field unless, you know, maybe mop up duty in a blowout. Um, but Zach Wilson gets and and I'm 100 percent on board with what, with what you said, you know. I get that he's not a rookie. I, I made a similar comment the other day, and I'm. it's like, look, I'm not saying that what happened didn't happen, but what I'm saying is the Jets came out and acknowledged, look, we played this kid too early. And I said, even before we knew that Zach was going to show some improvement, even while I was saying they should be going out to get a veteran quarterback, I was saying, look, I like what the Jets are doing here because so many times we see teams just give up on guys if if you could if you're being honest with yourself, which the Jets were, and saying, you know what, this kid's failure right now is on us. We played him too early, and you know maybe some people in the building acknowledge that the offensive coordinator didn't work out. You know, wasn't the best the best pairing. The fact that the Jets said we're going to take a step back, we're going to find a replacement, but we're not going to dump this kid in the meantime. We're going to hang on to him and try to continue to develop him, and hopefully in a year or two he'll become the guy. That basically what what I loved. They trusted their process. They trusted their scouting. I'm sure they went back after last season and watched more of the beat. Like, let's look at the film we looked at that made us draft this kid where we did. And they watched them and just said, damn it, we we still think he can play. Like, this was us. We messed this up. We we Maybe we broke the kid, but let's keep him around and see if we can fix him. And, so I thought. I want to jump in because you just used a, you used a phrase there that I think is very, very important. Because there are a lot of people that thought that this kid was broken, right, after the first two seasons. I said this after the Chiefs game, and I'm going to reemphasize it now. You are no longer allowed to say that this kid doesn't have the mental makeup to be the quarterback for the New York Jets. You can't say it anymore. Uh, it's, it is a non-negotiable. This kid should have, if everything that everybody said about him through the first two years here in New York was true, he should have folded like a cheap suit in, in, in with what he was asked to do. You, they went out. They flew, wined and dined and then traded for Aaron Rodgers to replace you. And then, after everybody gushes about, oh, we were just a quarterback away, now we've got Super Bowl aspirations, you don't think Zach Wilson in the back of his mind is like, man, everybody thinks now that we've just changed the quarterback and it was my fault, that that, that and now all of a sudden we're going to be Super Bowl favorites, we're AFC favorites because of me, because they replaced me. You don't think that crept into his mind? And yet, four plays in, he steps in, and this team is completely stabilized, they're trending in the right direction. There is no um, mutiny occurring. And you heard the comments after the Dallas game that I think a lot of people have forgotten about now, where they went when they went up to Zach and say it's not the same. It's not the same, Zach. We we get it. We see it. It's not the yep. same. We got to help you out. It was Conklin. And, that and then you had Robert Sala 
and I criticized him for this because I thought he was a little too praiseful of a guy who wasn't playing particularly well. But he went out and said, nope, we see it in practice. This kid is this kid is ready to break out. He is ready to take the next step. And guess what? Glenn, before the Kansas City game, I think we were talking about a quarterback that wasn't top 32, right? I think that's what we were looking at. Yeah. Right now, Glenn, we're probably looking at like a top 25 quarterback. Probably looking at a guy who right now is playing like the 24th or 25th best quarterback. He's not playing like... He, I, I think the ultimate scenario for the New York Jets is he becomes Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins. If he can get to that level for this team this season... They can go far. And the, I don't know, uh, the former former Packers, I believe, QB, Kirk Banker. Did you see he had him in the top 25. Today? That's where I, yeah. yeah, that's where I saw that from. Yeah, yeah he had him uh, 21. Yeah, he had him 21st. Um, and that's what I'm saying. He's probably yeah. a top 25 quarterback right now. And and someone said to me the other day, again, and this is what I mean with the, the whole moving the goalpost thing. Um, I commented about, you know, how Zach's improving. And somebody said something like, um, um, oh, oh, let, let's all celebrate. You know, he's gone from being Russell Wilson to being, you know, and he named some another bad quarterback who was, I'm, I'm okay. sorry, Jamar, Jamarcus Russell to some other quarterback who was not very good but better than Jamarcus Russell. And what I'm do you want the mind, Jets to that's do? Progress. It's what, progress. What? But, what? But fine. What do you want the Jets to do then? You want them to? You want them to play uh, Trevor Simeon? Zach Wilson's playing better than Trevor Simeon would play for this team right now. These last yep. three weeks. Yep. What do you want them to do? They're not trading for Kirk Cousins. It's not happening. Yeah. So, so the the, the Jets were dealt a hand. They put all their chips in the middle for Aaron Rodgers, and they were dealt the hand of he's going to tear his Achilles, and he's not going to play. And in spite of all that, in spite of Aaron Rodgers four plays into the season tearing his Achilles, the New York Jets are three and three, and are in a playoff battle. Oh, what more do you want? I know it's not pretty. Zach Wilson's not going to be a top twelve fantasy quarterback. It's going to be stressful. You're going to get to the fourth quarter of games, and you're going to be like, oh, "Are we going to win this one? Or are we going to lose this one?" I- I'll give you all of that. But the, the Jets aren't sitting here one and five going into the bye week. They're sitting here three and three, and their last three games are a victory over the NFC champions, a revenge game against Nathaniel Hackett, where they embarrassed Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, and they took the Kansas City Chiefs to the wire. And some would say, if they don't call a phantom holding, the Jets are going to have the ball with a chance to beat them. What more do you want from this team with the hand that they were dealt four plays into the season? Do you want them to be five and one? This wasn't going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. I hate to break it to you. Sorry, I get so angry at this because it is goalpost moving at the highest order when it doesn't have to be. We are not saying Zach Wilson is a top 10, top 12, top 8 quarterback. We are saying he is better than he was in the New England game. That is objectively true. He is just a boring quarterback who is basically just happy to be there at this point. And that's what the Jets need right now. At some point, they're going to need him to be a little bit more. But I don't think they need it this week again or next week against the Giants. I don't think they're going to need it against the Chargers. I don't think they're going to need it on Sunday night football against the Raiders. I don't think they're going to need it these three weeks. When they play Miami twice, when they play Buffalo again, when they play Cleveland on a short week on Thursday night football, they're going to need they're going to need to step up a little bit. But right now they don't need that. You talk you you mentioned earlier about evaluating quarterbacks and their ability to move the ball between the twenties. And when you said that, I thought to myself, again, and this this just again speaks to, to Wilson getting better. I thought to myself, how many times last year that I find myself watching a game and you're sitting there, you know, maybe early, mid third quarter and you go, have they been past the 50 yet? Have they been past midfield yet? Have they, have they gotten to, I don't, and often they hadn't. And it's right. like, and it was a regular, it wasn't surprising. It was so surprising now we're complaining. Now, now we're, we're complaining com- about red zone efficiency. Exactly. So that's so- what I mean. Like, and then, and then when that gets better, you know, when, the, if they score a couple, let's say they score a, a couple touchdowns next week. Oh, well, one of them was on the ground. He only threw one, you know, like, listen, it's, it's a gradual process. I can't win. It's, it's not Madden. It's not fantasy football. Like the kids started as we both acknowledged a million times over 
as arguably a guy who you could make a valid case did not belong in the NFL. He's gone. He was worse than 32. And now he's sort of, you know, again, if we want to put him in the lower mid 20s, dramatic improvement. I'm happy. Enough about Zach. We 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 are on the same page. We see the improvement. Frustrating. One more thing on know. Zach. Go One ahead. more thing on Zach. Go ahead. Because I, I saw it in the chat when we started the show. What's interesting about Zach's development over the last couple of weeks, that Kansas City game plan where they let him air it out down 17-0, they have not gone back to that at all the last two weeks. Not one bit. So that's an interesting thing that they might have in their back pocket and they're working on behind the scenes. And I, listen, I don't make big proclamations on this show. I think this offense is going to look very different and they're going to take some more shots now that they've had a bye week to just take a deep breath and Nathaniel Hackett can now relax because he has spent the last four weeks, five weeks, completely reconstructing this offense on the fly to try to, to save the season. Now he can take a step back and say, okay, now what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What can we add? What can we take away? And then they're going to completely revamp this thing. I'm excited to see what it looks like. All right, that's my last thought on Zach. No, that's fine. And I actually, before before we do move on, you mentioning that I was I wanted to do this anyway. Because, um, again, with both of, us, both of us saying we think he's right there. Right now, three and three. He's got four touchdowns, five interceptions. Don't need hot takes, crazy numbers. The rest of the way, what do you think his numbers look like at the end of the year? I think by the time this... Just touchdowns, interceptions. Yeah, so we've got, let's see, we've got 11 games left. 11 games. I think we are looking at a quarterback that by season's end has 20 touchdowns and 13 or 14 interceptions. Okay. I was going to say... That's that's 16 more touchdowns. Yeah, I was. That's gonna one say, a game. That's one a game, and then and then some. I was going to say twenty-one nine twenty by I mean, the end of the year. Twenty-one I, nine um, touchdowns to interceptions. I think he's doing a much better job protecting the ball. He's true. Um, that's very true. I, 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 one thing I will say, I do wonder because you know I've noticed too the fact we're not seeing the ball get thrown down the field that often. Um, I wonder is that Zach? Is it the like against Kansas City? Was he like if I lose this game, I'm going back to the bench? So there are no bad throws today. Like I gotta get, I gotta save my job, and then once he wins and gets on more firm footing, is he like, okay, let's be a little more? So I don't know if it's him. I agree, we're not seeing it as much, but again, I think out of the bye, I think we're gonna start seeing it more. I think to me, I think they're gonna say we're playing teams that we can afford. Like a mistake won't sure. be the end of the world for us, so we can take some deep shots this week, and I think we're gonna see some of that. I mean, Glenn, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't. Uh, to me, a quarterback change is just completely off the table at this point. Like I'm not even. Oh, that, that's no. I that's forgot. Like, Trevor Simeon's a just he's no. a he's he's I, in the back I, I of my mind. I forgot he was on the like, roster. I, he's not a thing right now for me. No. Like it's just not like this is Zach's team. Like it, he he should have folded up and he didn't. So you got to give him a chance, especially oh, especially yeah. if Aaron is just coming around the corner. Yeah, right? he's getting a shot, and that's 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 our next topic. Oh gosh, is that? They, listen, this is a quick easy one for me, um, and I'll start off. Is, is Aaron Rodgers coming back this season? No way. I'll believe it when I see it. And it's, it's not a matter of not law. Oh, how can you doubt Aaron? It's just, it's such a crazy idea to come back in a few months from an injury that usually takes a year. But it's also crazy that he's walking without crutches. So, like, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, the, my biggest concern, and the reason I don't like it, I'm like, we don't need a re-injury here. We don't need something that where the, the, the Achilles has to be done again because he rushed things, and now maybe he's out a big chunk of next year. Like, that, that's – when I see him walking, like, there's the one part of me that's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And then there's the Jets fan in me that's like, this is going to go badly. Um, so, no. I, no. Just I, – not, not that I don't want to. I just can't allow myself to believe that yeah. a guy's going to come back – a 39-year-old guy 
is going to come back from an Achilles, uh, you know, nine months faster than anyone in history. So, Glenn, I, I, I was, I was with you, man. I was with you. And then, and then I, I listened to a lot of people who have the three letters next to their name, PhD, or before their name have the letters DA, DR for doctor. Okay, I listen to a lot of medical experts on this. And there are a lot of medical experts who study sports injuries that think he can pull this off, that think this is actually within the realm of possibility because five weeks after the surgery, he's standing for three-plus hours on the sideline with a headset on and that he's throwing the football and he's not using crutches and he's able to put weight on his leg. Like, there are, there are doctors that say, yeah, I mean... It's probably not like likely, but it's more possible than I thought it was. Like when people like that who are in the field say this is possible, you have to give it pause. Now, listen, I'm not going to predict that he's going to come back. I think where this becomes a reality is weeks 14 through 18. If the New York Jets, and this is going to open up a whole other can of worms that I'm, I'm going to share my thoughts on. And then we're going to put it to bed until it, it comes out. But week 14 to 18, I think, could be a window where if the Jets are close and they're in a playoff battle and he's like 75 to 80%, he might force his way on the field. He might be like, I'm healthy enough to play. I may not be 100%. The doctors are going to clear me. I want the ball. Put me out there. And then that's going to be an interesting conversation. Now, there's a lot of people in the chat. I'm a little afraid to say this out loud, <laughs> but I will. Glenn, based on your smile, I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to have great pause to the idea of replacing the quarterback that might have put the Jets in the situation. Now, you may say, Chris, wait a minute. You don't know how Zach Wilson is going to be playing. Granted, if it is a if Zach is playing poorly, yet the defense is keeping them in it, and they're hanging around, and there's potential, I'm with you, quarterback change. But if Zach does what I think he's going to do and what Glenn thinks he's going to do, and continue to get better as the season goes on. And we're seeing Zach Wilson be the reason why the Jets win football games. Boy, is it going to be tough for me to watch a 40-year-old come back early from an injury earlier than anybody in the history of the game has ever come back from and ask that guy to lead the team to the promised land. Because here's what, what's not going to happen. For all the people who would want Aaron Rodgers to come, on the, come back on the field, if they lose, you don't get to complain that they lost. And that's a place as a Jets fan that I don't want to be. I don't want to be in a situation where the New York Jets have to make a quarterback decision late in a season because they're not good at this, Glenn. They're not good at this stuff. So whatever decision they make would be wrong. If they stick with Zach, it'll be a disaster. If they go to Aaron, they'll probably lose in some stupid fashion and we'll be thinking, what if for the rest of our life? I don't. Aaron, take your time, buddy. We'll see you in 2024. That's that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I agree. It's And, you know, Someone asked Robert Sala that a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, what do you do? You know, Aaron's talking about coming back. What do you do if he's back? And and I had the same thought. I'm like, dude, it's it's like week four. Settle down. Let's let's not. I mean, there are hypotheticals, and then there are like, hey, if in I don't know three months from now your 40 year old is better. Like, we're not we're not getting well, into that right now. Do you remember um, when the initial timetable was that he originally, even after he had the surgery, there were people who thought if he's on the Cam Akers timeline. He could come back like conference championship week or the Super Bowl. And I thought to myself, if the New York Jets are in the conference championship or a Super Bowl, they better not be making a quarterback change because there's a good read. There's a why? Good, why are you doing that? You're, there's a good percentage. 
that the guy who's playing quarterback is at least some part of the reason why they're there. Yeah. So to me, I don't even want to, I don't want to entertain this as a possibility right now because one, I just don't, I don't know where the team is going to be, right? If they're completely out of it, he's not going to rush back. Like if they lose their next three games and they're three and six. Yeah. Yeah. He's not coming back. No, no, there's no reason to. Um, And I, you know, you wonder if that's why he's sort of, planting the seed for the team to give them something to fight for for them. to if, like. If hey, that's like, what he's doing like best leader of all time. And yeah. to everybody who doesn't like him being around because they think it undermines the oh. coach. Cause I heard this, there's a specific, Stop. very popular radio station in New York, which call letters. You can probably figure out if you're from there. Think that one of their hosts thinks that, that it's a, it is, it is, it is a bad show of leadership and it undermines the head coach that Aaron Rodgers is there politely take the next train and leave town. If you think this any part of this is bad news for the New York Jets, you've lost your mind. If Aaron Rodgers' presence on this football team right now is a galvanizing force and it helps this team, Aaron, you can stand right next to Robert Sala with a headset. In fact, you can call plays if you want. Aaron, I don't care. You can do whatever you'd like. I'll guarantee you this right now. Anybody who's complaining about Aaron Rodgers being around the team right now would be calling him a poor leader if he wasn't around the but team right now. He's not a distraction. Yeah, it's people who just don't like the guy, maybe, you know, for whatever reason. But if Aaron Rodgers wasn't around, they, you know, that same person would be saying, oh, you paid this guy all this money, and now he's vacationing in California, and he can't, he doesn't have time for the Jets now. And he, why can't he be in the building to offer some encouraging words? So, yeah, anyone ripping him now for being there would also be ripping him for not being there. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say something, maybe a little blasphemous. And I'm going to preface this by saying, I don't think either of these things are a distraction. Okay, Glenn, you heard me. Neither of these things that I'm about to say are distractions. Taylor Swift is a bigger distraction to the Kansas City Chiefs than Aaron Rodgers is for the New York Jets. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Also, it, it, can I can I go on a little sports talk radio soap rant, uh, soapbox ahead. rant here go for a right second? Ahead. To all the people, that same four-letter station and the four-letter network in Bristol, Connecticut, and all the smart people that I see on Twitter, who said it was a bad idea that the New York Jets scored a touchdown instead of sliding down. Get out of here. It is statistically, you are asking, you are you are playing a percentage game at that point. And by scoring the touchdown, in, in the moment when they scored the touchdown, Mark Sanchez like lost his mind. He's like, what are they doing? They should have slid down. This, this is, this is, these are mistakes that, you know, young teams can't be making if they want to jump to the next level. And I'm like, Mark, dude, if they run out the clock and they make Philly use the two timeouts and they kick a field goal, Philly is going to have like an eternity. They're going to have like 50 seconds and they're yep. going to have to go one Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown throw. That's it. One pass yep. and Jake Elliott's going to attempt a field goal. Whereas instead, you score a touchdown, you kick it off and you say, you have all the time you want. You have all the timeouts you want. You go 75 yards on this defense that's kicked your ass in the second half. Look at the drive chart in the second half before the last drive and tell me that the Jets played it wrong by giving them the ball and making them go the distance of the field. Get out yeah, of here. I, it, I, was I, the, I it was completely the right decision where if they're going to open the door for you to score, you take the six points. It is I so much after, easier. The, the mindset's the so much different, Glenn. It's so much different. If you're Jalen Hurts, it is so much different if you get the ball and know I've only got to go 30 yards. Yep. And then, and then to get the ball and say, I've got to go 75 yards. Yeah. It leads him to make mistakes. Yep. I, I said after the, you know, my, my initial reaction, like literally in that second, I agreed with Mark Sanchez and I started to tweet it and I got about three words into the tweet and I was like, this defense is lights out right now. I was like, I'm deleting this tweet. 
they they shouldn't have taken a knee or ran the clock down. What are we? What's the biggest complaint all week? They can't score in the red zone. They can't score in the red zone. They can't. So you're going to now just and and then they're, they're going to let you walk in and you're going to be like, no, no, we're good. Really, we're all right. No, you're not all right. Like it's the thing that everyone's complaining they can't do. Philly moved that step out of the way and let them do it. And Robert Sala said, you know what, my defense is going to get this stop because they've. You, you haven't scored in a half an hour. You know, you, you haven't scored since, what, mid-second quarter. And we need to stop you one more time. I think we can do that. So, Glenn, yeah, if, absolutely. Score, take the points, and, and let your defense win it. What if what if the holder botches the snap? What if Greg Zerlin puts one off what the upright? What if anything happens? What if a fumble? What if a, a tip? Right. Anything. So many you things just, can go wrong. If they're going to get out of your way, and they're going to they're just going to open, they're just going to leave you a lane. I can, like it's I mean, two hand touch. You take you, it. You just score like, the points. You got to look at how the game is unfolding. If this is yes. a fifty six fifty two game and offense is just running up and down the maybe, field, maybe maybe it's fine, different. Fine, take the knee. Like let's. They but hadn't that's not scored what's here. a single point in the second half, and you were. I'll Robert Sala. I know you walked it back. I'll use the term for you. You embarrassed Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles yes. in the second half. You embarrassed the NFC champs to where they couldn't move the ball on you. So, yeah, you take the six points, you kick the ball away, and you say, here you go, Philadelphia. Here are your two timeouts. Here's your minute and 30. You go 75 yards on this defense that's kicked your ass in the second half. Good luck. Yep, in the chat here. And I, I don't want to hear that they didn't have DJ Reed or Sauce Gardner. Without them, they yeah, embarrassed them in three quarters. Is it gonna step? Yeah, they didn't have them. Ridiculous. All day. It's insane. You know, it's, I, the tweet, the, the smart people that I know that were tweeting that it was a bad decision for the Jets to take the points there, I was flabbergasted. Yep. Yeah, insane. like I said, I, I think it's because in today, because so many times it is in today's game because it's it's all about offense. And and the number of times I've seen that, I see a team score, and the first thing I do is look at the clock. You see a minute 46, you go, oh, too much time. You gave him too much time. And the Jets scored, and I went to it. You gave him too much time. And I was like, no, wait, you know what? You didn't. Because you have a defense that, that absolutely lights out right now. You took the points. Good job. Um, Jonathan here is talking about the Giants. We'll, probably, we'll preview that uh, next week's show, but um, I, I could see the Jets shutting that offense out. I mean, that they're, they're – Depends on who they're, plays quarterback, but yeah. They, yeah, they're, they're a shambles right now. It's uh, it's a mess for the Giants. Um, real quick, uh, the Miko Hardman trade. Jets send them back to Kansas City with a seven in exchange for a six. Um, listen, I'll – You've heard everything Chris and I have just said. I'm psyched up about this team. I'm happy with the way things are going. Um, but there are some fans that when things are going well, if you say anything critical, you're terrible and you're the worst fan ever. Um, I think it's a bad look that Andy Reid, a future Hall of Fame coach, has a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and they they want Mecole Hardman. They can find a role for him. The Jets, who can't get in the end zone, can't figure out what to do with the guy. Um, I think it's a bad look. I think a million, you know, you gave him four million for one year, and you had no idea how to use him. Um, I get that Aaron Rodgers went down, but I mean, is he not capable of catching a pass from another quarterback? Um, it's not the end of the world, but it's still a bad move. And a lot, of, and I've talked about this the other day. I'll touch on it again now. Xavier Gibson didn't take his job, like as a receiver. He wasn't. The Jets didn't give him four million dollars to because listen, let's be honest. Kick return isn't a thing anymore. It doesn't happen. It, it's it's not a thing. You don't you don't take that into consideration. If you want to tell me they signed him to be a punt returner for four million dollars, show me another punt returner in the NFL that makes four million dollars just to return punts. Miko Hardman was brought in to return punts and to be a receiver. And this oh well, Xavier Gibson took his job. Xavier Gibson, first of all, hasn't done anything as a receiver up to this point, point. Um, and as really you know one punt return in week one that was phenomenal. But other than that, he hasn't done anything, and. His snap count has been 
he, he, the first three weeks of the season, I think he played a total of four snaps on offense. Miko Hardman, it's not like, oh, well, those four snaps were going to be Miko's four snaps, but but Gibson took them. No. Like, he did not take – Gibson did not take his job. The Justice have not known how to use him. If anything, the snaps that we expected to see him get are going to Randall Cobb, who can't get any separation, can't make a play. Um, so, no, Hardman wasn't benched because the emergence of Xavier Gibson. Xavier Gibson is hardly seeing the field, not doing much when he does see the field, and uh, you don't give a guy $4 million to return punts. I think that's it's a thing where a person said it, and a bunch of people jumped on and went, yeah, yeah, Xavier Gibson. And I know Salah said it, but he's cheerleading for his young guys. Um, you're not going to convince me that you gave a guy $4 million to play on average 1.2 snaps a week. You, you, you signed him to play him, and he's not playing, and, and he's gone, and that's fine. Like, it's, it's, it's not – I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. All I'm saying is I think it's a bad look, but th- there are far worse things this team could be worried about right now. Uh, GMs have hits and GMs have misses. And when you are an executive in the National Football League, you need to make sure that the list of hits is way longer than the list of misses. And if Michael Hardman is going to be the miss that the New, that New York Jets fans are going to scream at, at uh, Joe Douglas about, then we're doing just fine, right? As a general yeah. manager, we, let's hope that this is the the bottom uh, of the of the list for Joe Douglas in terms of his moves as an executive. Look, I, I think I think it I think it's twofold. I think Aaron Rodgers going down absolutely changed the schematics of this offense and what they were able to do. And in because of that, what Nathaniel Hackett and this is me projecting. I'm not in the room. I, I don't have a press pass where I can ask Hackett and Salah these questions and and get these answers. But my my gut tells me that when Aaron Rodgers went down and this offense needed to be reconstructed. That what Hackett and Sala and Wilson and the entire offensive staff came to the agreement on was they needed somebody who was a consistent presence in the offense for Zach Wilson. A guy who's always going to run the right route, is always going to be in the right spot, is always going to block the way that he needs to, and maybe isn't the best receiver, doesn't have the best hands, isn't going to burn down the field, but is going to give you that consistency. And so when that occurred, Randall Cobb was a more attractive option for this offense than Michael Hartman. Now, if Aaron Rodgers was playing, then I think Michael Hardman's speed and ability to go down the field and be a deep threat changes things. But they, the Jets needed somebody that Zach Wilson could turn to and rely on in key moments that if I need five yards, I know Randall Cobb is going to run the route to the five-yard mark and turn around and be right there, right? That's what they needed. And so to me, Xavier Gibson didn't replace Michael Hardman. Randall Cobb replaced Michael Hardman. And now Xavier Gibson is going to replace Randall Cobb. That's how this is going to go. And I think what you're going to see is Xavier Gibson's speed, his ability to be used in the quick passing game, in jet sweeps, in eye candy, just create. Because Randall Cobb can't do that. Randall Cobb's an older player, no. doesn't have that speed anymore. No. So I think what you're going to see is Xavier Gibson is going to slowly transform into that role. But I think that's what happened here. The Jets had to recreate their offense, and their needs were different. You knew you were going to have Garrett Wilson. You knew you were going to have Alan Lazard. It was what do we need out of that third piece if we're going to have three receivers on the field? And I think the conclusion that this team came to is we need somebody that is reliable, consistent, and just knows this offense inside and out. And I think that's what Randall Cobb provided for this team. Is it a mistake? Is it a blunder that they gave him $4 million and they couldn't have, they couldn't find a role for him? Yeah, absolutely. But I will tell you, I was one of the people that when they signed him in the summer, I was like, how are they going to use this guy? Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes couldn't get the most out of Miko Hardman. Like, what are we doing here? And so, yeah, they traded him back to Kansas City. Yeah, it's probably a bad look. I think it says more about that Kansas City wide receiver room that they feel desperate that's, enough to is, call the New York Jets. And, and ask for Michael Hardman back. Like, I think that says more about Sky Moore and trying to find a role for Canarius Tony and Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and trying to find somebody to emerge in that offense. Marquez Valdez Scantling's there as well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, it is what it is. It's a bad look. It's not a great move, but I think they're going to move on and, and uh, they're going to need to, I, I think they're going to need to add a receiver here at some point. I really do. But. Yeah. Well, I see here in the chat, uh, Jonathan saying, don't forget Corey Davis. Um, th- this is a sore spot for me. Um, I, I really, I was all about let's bring in DeAndre Hopkins even before Corey Davis retired, because I looked at the situation as Corey Davis, love him. I thought he w- he should have been the, n- the number two receiver. Um, I think he's better than Lazard. Um, but given Corey Davis' injury history and Lazard's inconsistency, inconsistency catching the football, I thought DeAndre Hopkins would have been better than both. He's now on pace for an 1,100-yard season when everybody told me he was washed up. Um, Johnny, JJ, are they adding a wide receiver? I think, if anything, at the at a minimum, I Hunter think maybe we see... Renfro. Trade well, for Hunter Renfro. Call the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I think he got, like, nine see... targets the last three weeks. It's it's, it's a, ridiculous. I, this is going to sound weird, but right now that's a playoff team, and they can't find reps for Hunter Renfro. Yeah, get this guy on the Jets immediately. Yeah, I think um, I think maybe we see some Brownlee. I think a trade for Renfro would be great. Um, and call around and see. You know, I, I get the Panthers. I, I was surprised. Go trade for Jerry Judy. I know Steve Smith doesn't like him, but go trade for Jerry Judy. <sighs> I would I would rather Sutton. You're going to call Denver. Okay, well, um, I think that's going to come with a higher one. price tag. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, surprising, uh, I guess Carolina, they they want to develop their quarterback, but Thielen is having, I didn't realize what a monster year he's had. Oh, he, it, first two that weeks were bad, and he's gone he's off pace, the last four. He's on pace for 1,400 yards, and he and doesn't have one drop. Alan and, Lazar, Alan Lazar's got, I think he's got four drops. PFF has him down for three. I'm sure I remember four Alan Lazar drops, and uh, Thielen has zero. And I'm fantasy, sure Hopkins has zero, because Hopkins always has zero. In fantasy football land, it's it's always a big storyline when a rookie quarterback develops like a target that you know is their favorite. And for Bryce Young, it is one thousand percent. If if things go to hell in a handbasket, where's Adam Thielen? I gotta yeah. get the ball at Adam Thielen. That's the way that they're they're operating uh, right now. But yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely going to be some options. Um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right. So last topic of the night. Um. Chris, I know you do your homework here. Yeah. We haven't done any draft prospects yet this season. Okay. Um, two or three. We didn't, we're, I'm not talking a 15-minute you know, scouting yeah, report. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just mention a couple guys we like. I'll kick things off. I don't have I, I don't have any this week because I was traveling, so I'll react to your guys, and I'll give a list of guys I'm going to watch this week. Okay, that, that, that's perfect. Um, I'm big on, if, you, if you've listened to myself and Dylan do draft, uh, draft picks over the years, um, and me before Dylan came on board, I don't know what it is. I, I love the mid late rounders. I start my, you know, when I'm watching prospects, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll pull up a list, either PFF or, uh, you know, PFR or whoever. And I'll, I'll start at like number 200 and work my way up or 300 and, uh, and look like to try to find those gems. And I'll tell you what, there's a couple guys. Um, the guys I'm going to, I'm going to focus on tonight are players who I, who jumped out at me last year. And I was like, wow, these are players to watch next year. Um, and so they're some of them are actually well above the sort of bottom tier, um, or that they're far from unknown at this point. But um, the the three guys I want to mention, I'm going to pull up the names here real quick. Well, one um, right away, one of the first prospects I think I ever spoke to Dylan about a couple of years ago. I think I messaged him. I said, "Dude, this this freshman receiver in Texas, this Xavier Worthy kid." <laughs> I said, "Jesus, he's going to be worthy. He, he is somebody to watch." Like this guy, I can't remember who it was against. It may have been Oklahoma. Um, I know he's beaten them up a couple times, but he was, he reminded, he reminded me and you know, you won't say this often because the guy is so fast. Um, But the fact that he's so thin 
and he runs the way he does, I'm like, he's like a more explosive Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson, of course, you know, when he was undrafted free agent and everybody was like, look at those ankles, look at those calves. Like he's, he's going to get snapped like a pretzel. He's not going to last in the league. Um, Worthy, way better prospect than Robbie Anderson. Way be- I mean, Robbie was undrafted. Worthy's going to be a first rounder or at least no, 100%. no, you know, early second at worst. Um, but Xavier Worthy to me, um, you know, the, I'm in now in year three of watching him and he is just, he's a game breaker. He, he just takes the top off of defenses. And it's it's always interesting when you see those guys who do it because it's like it's not like he didn't know he was going to do that a few times today, and he still does it, and he does it against top corners, he does it against everybody. So you 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 want to go player by player, or do you want to talk about my guys when I'm done? Yeah, no, I, I we could talk about Xavier Worthy for a second because I think it, what's interesting about Worthy is it's not his fault, but in a class that already has Marvin Harrison Jr., who's getting a lot of buzz ahead of time, rightly so, he's probably one of the best receiving prospects we've had in a very, very, very long time, if not ever. Uh, Emeka Egbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s teammate at Ohio State, who's also going to get a, a ton of love. Keon Coleman at Florida State, Malik Neighbors at LSU. Like there, Those are just a, a couple of the names that are going to be in the mix for first-round wide receivers. And Xavier Worthy, I think, slots in with the Keon Coleman's, the Malik Neighbors uh, of the world. Uh, Worthy, six foot one sixty-five. Uh, and explosive playmaker from what I've seen of him. Again, I haven't done a, a super big deep dive into Xavier Worthy. I, I certainly will uh, for this show because I know we'll talk about him uh, when it comes to uh, post uh, the season being over and, and we get into draft time with the combine and senior bowl and, and all that kind of stuff and visits and things like that. Uh, but in a what is clear to me a loaded wide receiver class, Xavier Worthy is one of those guys that we need to be keeping an eye on. All right, number two. Um, Where's the sixth round? Where's the sixth round safety, Glenn? I know there's one in here, sixth round safety that you like. Well, that, see, that's what I was debating. I almost said I'm going to take a guy like Worthy, and um, <clears throat> let's see, and and mention. I, th- I thought I'd go with top of the draft guy, a guy okay. a little bit later on, and then okay. a sleeper. Um, okay, I love let's that. see, let's see. Uh, well, we, we'll do four because it, this guy I'm I'm dying to mention because he was. A favorite that again, another guy that just jumped out at me last. A year. running back. Hopefully, it's a running back. Not this one. Uh, hmm. This isn't a running back. It's a running back A&M. I love. Love Texas A and M defensive tackle McKinley Jackson. Okay, smaller guy, like six one. Um, not. I don't know if he's quite Kalijah Cansey, but his ability to just explode off the ball, um, and 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 make disruptive plays. I can't remember who I first saw him against, but you know. My whole thing is I just I throw on games, guys who jump out, I take notes, I pull clips and highlights and sort of, you know, start getting notes on them. And then I'll watch a couple more games to see if it was a fluke. And I think, I, you know, and sometimes if, if I have the time, I'll, I'll just sit down and watch three games in a row. I don't even remember who it was against, but I swear all three games he had a TFL on the opening drive. And I'm like, this guy just, he just shot out of a cannon every game. And then, I don't know, a couple months ago, I can't remember if it was this offseason or earlier in the year. I start seeing our, you know, a guy we've talked about, Jim Nagy. Um, I think, I think maybe Eric Galco is what, like a couple of sort of fairly well-known draft guys start tweeting about this guy, like, "Hey, uh, McKinley Jackson, this guy, this guy's a player to watch," and and you love that. You love seeing like respected people jumping onto guys that you've kind of made a note and mentioned on shows as someone to keep an eye on. But to me, this Jets defensive line, we love it. It's it's so great. But I, I feel like. Joe Douglas is going to want this to be a pipeline, a continuous thing. And if he can get guys in round two or three who can step in and be impact guys, given the rotation they use, I wouldn't rule out a player who is that good um, in the second, third round. I don't think he'll be there in three. 
Um, he may even go in round one, honestly, the way people are talking about him. But any thoughts on him, Chris? Uh, not a guy that, that I've seen a, a whole lot of, um, but you know me. I, I, I'm like you. You and I uh, bond with these mid-round guys that you send me clips of, and I respond, and, and I send you clips of guys. This is how our love for Dayon Henley, Ivan Pace, how, how that was all born is you and I sharing uh, clips of, of mid round. Currently guys. the highest rated rookie linebacker Listen, in the NFL per PFF. I'm here. I'm here to tell you there's one podcast on this earth that made sure to let everybody know that Ivan Pace was a draftable player. And it was this show right here with these two guys, because it baffled us that Ivan Pace Jr. Was an undrafted free agent. Uh, can I throw my running back out to you that I Go want right everybody, ahead. I want everybody to watch this, this guy. And he hasn't played a lot this year. Got hurt, uh, scored two touchdowns in his team season opener has been banged up has missed a couple of games with a knee injury. But my guy in 20 uh, last season, 2022 had over, four, I think over 1400 rushing yards. He's only 21 years old. So in running back years, this guy is, is really young and his nickname is rocket. I mean, how do you not draft a guy whose nickname is Rocket? Raheem Sanders, yep, the running back yep, out of Arkansas. Arkansas. I think when all said and done, now he not playing a ton this season is going to hurt him a little bit, but I think when all said and done, this guy might be my RB1 when we do like our top fives at each position. I think Raheem Sanders might be my guy. Uh, this, this guy's explosive, so he's got the nickname yeah. Rocket. I mean, this guy is just... He's a playmaker. He can do stuff for you. And so he's a guy that if you haven't watched, and I know he's been banged up, so you haven't gotten a chance to see him. But if you can find some 2022 highlights of Raheem Sanders, it is going to be time well spent because you're going to see a player that I think could be an impact uh, at the next level. Yeah, I was just looking. I have, um, you know, I've got all my stuff. I have three different laptops I use regularly, and I've okay. got all, all of my draft clips on one that I'm not using now. I'm sure I have some clips of him from last year because that guy can just absolutely fly. He can fly. Um, just flies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make sure I get all my clips loaded onto all three laptops, so I'm always ready to throw something up there. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a good one. But I'm, I'm going to throw out a guy, um, I think, who's currently sort of a day three, maybe even – I'm not saying he will be a UDFA. I think if you look at some of his rankings, that's where you might project him now. But another guy who I what threw position? out there last year, who I, offensive tackle, Illinois. Um, okay. I've also heard, uh, I'm sure I've seen Jim Nagy throw him out there as well, put his name out there. Um, Julian Pearl, a guy who played on the defensive side of the ball, um, DT, I believe. And at some point, the coaches there said, hey, man, we think you're better suited to play tackle. And I watched, you know, I watched quite a bit of Illinois last year. And he jumped out at me and I was like, oh, is this guy draft eligible this year? When's he coming out? And I think, in fact, that if, if I were to, were to do a tweet search, I'm sure I tweeted out one or two of his highlights. Last season, um, I watched a couple of Illinois games the other day. I thought he played well. Not, not. I wasn't focusing on him uh, specifically, but when I did watch him, he was doing a really good job. But Julian Pearl is a guy who he's one of those dudes who just moves really well for for a guy his size. He'll be, you know, be able to get out in front for teams that like to run stretch zone outside stuff. Um, I think he can be a really good player. Plays with a mean streak, which you'd kind of expect from a guy who played the D line previously. Yeah. Um, so he's he's getting some praise from the draft community. He's a guy that I mentioned last season and uh, another one to keep an eye on. Man, I think this offensive tackle class, and, and last year we talked about how there was some value towards the top. There was some value on day two. But if you wanted a tackle and you were picking in that like 12 to 26 range, mm -hmm. you're like, I don't know if any of these guys are, are – are, Listen, this is the year for you if you need offensive tackle help. You got Olu Fashanu, you got J.C. Latham, you got Joe Alt, you got Amarius Mims, you got Jordan Morgan, just to name a few that are going to be towards the top of people's rankings. And so I think what you're going to start to see here, Glenn, just talking about the offensive tackle uh, class as a whole, is there 
this 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 entire draft in 2024 is just loaded. You got offensive tackles, you got wide receivers, you got quarterbacks. I mean, you you got some decent edge rushers. Like if you need one of the pillars, and th- those pillars, corner, uh, quarterback, a left tackle, or just offensive tackle in general, wide receiver, like edge rusher, like this is the draft for you to get one of those pillars for your franchise. It is loaded. And so that's what makes this so fun is to me, when you have a draft class that has those pillar spots where there's some really good top end talent, it is almost a just scramble to acquire one of them. And I think you, I think this is a, this is a prediction way ahead of time. I think more so than ever before you are going to see people do their hardest to get inside the top 10. I don't mean in tanking. I mean, after the season is over, I think you are going to see some some people really aggressively, teams that have multiple draft picks, and maybe one of them falls outside of the top 10. They are going to try to get themselves into the top 10 uh, because I think there's going to be some really franchise-altering talents available. There are some really good ones. I, I specifically, one this could be my imagination, but I'm, I'm sure it okay. wasn't. Um, last year, I think... Every single time we did a prospect show, I, I picked a linebacker. I love linebackers. Ever since I was a kid, I just think they're asked, like, we're, we're going to have you cover the running back on one play, yep. and then we're going to have you take on the offensive tackle on the next play. Like, like oh, first, we're going to have you run with a guy who weighs 185, and then we're going to have you fight a guy that weighs 320. And, and I'm here to tell you, you, if you can't do it, you suck. Like, it's, I, it's, what those it's one guys of my favorite do. positions. It's one of my favorite positions to watch because you just have guys that are just all sorts of different sizes and have all sorts yep. of different skill sets. And like watching in back, back to back to back reps at the senior bowl, watching the Marvin Overshone into Dayon Henley into Ivan Pace Jr. Yep. You want to talk about three guys that play the position in three different ways and do three. Like, it's just, it's such an interesting position because. Like you can, you can craft, depending on your defense, depending on who your D coordinator is, you can craft a role for any of those three guys. Yeah. You're seeing Minnesota, they have an undrafted free agent, Ivan Pace Jr., and they've got a role for him, and he's, and he's playing it really well. Marvin Overstrom got hurt for Dallas, and so that, yeah. that's, that's a big loss there. And, you know, Deion Henley isn't getting on the field a ton uh, there in, in with, the, with the Chargers right now, as much as I, I think we would all like him to, to be on the field. Um, but yeah, those are three guys that do, do things differently, and yet, they play the same position. It's it's just it's yeah. fascinating. And in fact, I think it was overshown. I think that's who I was tuning in to watch the first time I saw Worthy. I think it was Oklahoma, uh, the Red River rivalry two years ago. And uh Overshown had like a sack, a blocked punt, a TFL, like all on the first two or three series. And I was like, wow, this guy's like I'm you know, uh, he, he's the one I was tuning in to watch, and he was lighting it up. And then Worthy had these huge catches. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna try not to have 50 linebackers on my list this year, but I'm I'm like I'm there's a lot that I like. There's a there's a lot of good ones in this class. Um, so yeah, we'll try to make the the draft preview, draft prospects, a weekly thing now. And you know, it's not it's not you know look in previous years it's normally like well the Jets suck so we're talking about you know the draft. No, this is just we love the draft. A lot of people love yes, the draft. We're doing it. So we're gonna cover some draft at the end of every episode. Yeah. So that'll wrap this one up though. Bye week. So take it easy. Relax. Watch watch something. You know. Watch some games you don't care about. Maybe, just enjoy. Maybe, just maybe throw on red. Throw, throw on red zone and enjoy. Just sit back, relax, enjoy the chaos that doesn't involve the New York Jets. Maybe go outside for a few minutes on a sure. football Sunday. You know, there you go. I mean, just the backyard, not too far from the house. I'm not saying, I'm not saying stray far afield. You don't, yeah, of course stay, not. Yeah. yeah, stay close. Don't like go out with the family and do something. Yeah, stay uh, close. They stay near a football screen if you exactly. need. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Chris, thanks a lot. We will uh, Oh, go ahead and give out your, your social media, your handles and all that. Yeah, you can, you can follow me on, on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, at Chris Schubert underscore. Uh, I've been tweeting a lot about the New York football jets and uh, some draft stuff coming soon. So it should be, should be a lot of fun.
Yeah, you can get me at JN Radio underscore Glenn G L E N N. And uh give me a follow on at Jets Picks. That's where I do draft content, draft highlights, because I, I don't I like to try to follow some prospects on Twitter, but I don't want my Jets account to have like five thousand college <laughs> players that I'm following.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.